Hello, everybody. Welcome to Football Anya. It's podcast 80. Now, something's a little bit different today. First thing you may notice is that if you are watching us on YouTube, we not, I'm not only doing this live for a change, this podcast, but you can also watch us and see us, which is rare. Um, we are doing a live podcast today, which is, of course, watchable back. We are also available on SoundCloud and iTunes as well. So let's see if you can help us reach um, a thousand listens this time on this podcast, which is especially another way too. We've got a special guest. We've got Alex here. He's more commonly known as Euro Expert on Twitter. Alex, before we go into Dutch football matters, would you like to introduce yourself? Of course. Thank you very much. So yeah, I'm Alex. You might have known me as the Euro Expert. I tend to spam myself on uh, YouTube comments, Twitter, all over the place. Hopefully, I don't ruffle your feathers too much. Basically, I try and bring the knowledge that you might not know because it gets undercovered to you guys and make it relevant enough so it you don't get bored. So I'll hopefully be able to do that today because we're talking about league gun uh, teams, which will be sometimes gets mocked a little bit. But I will try my hardest to make it as interesting as possible. Brilliant. Well, Alex, I'm sure that you'll be full of knowledge, far more knowledge than I am anyway, because, I mean, as I was just saying before the podcast, I only just realised Lille at the top of the league. So I am not um, a French football expert. Mike knows more than me. Mike's also here. He'll no doubt do his preview article before the matches on Ajax and PSV, the two teams we're definitely going to be talking about today. So we've definitely got Europa League preview coming up, Lille, Ajax, but also Olympiacos, PSV. And then we're going to delve into a little bit of Eredivisie. And finally, we're going to talk about Noah Long because Alex is also an expert on the Belgian League too. And he's also been pressing massively and we really want to see him um, in a Netherlands shirt before too long. All right, first things first. Um, Alex, Lille versus Ajax is coming up on Thursday. And I spotted something before the podcast which suggested to me that Lille might be playing their B-side. The top of Liga, they might actually have a chance of le- winning the league for, for uh, goodness knows how long. Um, I don't know exactly how long. Uh, again, I am not the French football expert, hence why you're here, Alex. However, um, Mike and I can definitely give a perspective on Ajax, and we've been watching them quite a lot. They've been playing all right. They've been winning a lot of games, but you wouldn't say it's vintage Ajax, and definitely not the Ajax that we've been seeing um, from that Champions League run in 2019. Yeah, agree. Definitely on the Ajax thing. They've been. I've watched. Whenever I've watched them this season, they've been like a bit more seven out of ten. So, mm. if it is if Lille weren't doing so good in the league, just as you were touching on the idea that they could actually win their first league title since 2012, then I would actually put this as a surprising walk off. Like it could it could genuinely be three or four nil Lille because they're in thumping form. To give a bit of context to them, so PSG started the season horrifically. They had about 12 COVID cases and they had three players get suspended suspensions in one game. Uh, Lavin Kasawa got a five-game suspension for drop-kicking a Marseille player, um, which led Lille and Lyon to uh, build a bit of a lead. Now, Lyon are starting to fall away a bit, but Lille are... they're not. It's not just their points, to, points total haul that is suggesting they have what it takes to win this. Every, for the last few games, they've been grinding their victories. They haven't been the classic line. They've not been playing well, but they've been getting over the line. And their manager, Christoph Gaultier, has been he's, he's uncharacteristically emotional recently. After every goal, after every victory, going around hugging all of these uh, coaching staff, which to me suggests, from a long-time admirer of him and Lee Gunn, that the focus really is right now on the league and title. And as you uh, pointed out there, might see something that Lille might put out their B team. However, the interesting thing about Lille is their B team 
is still good enough to play in the Europa League and win. I mean, just to touch on their group stage form, they beat uh, Milan, I think it was 3-0, I believe at home in uh, France. Uh, Yusuf Yazici got a hat-trick, I think. He absolutely demolished Milan. And Lille's, Lille's beating players, there's players like Luis Araujo, Yusuf Yazici, um, Timothy Vare, you guys might have heard of. They're playing really well at the moment, but they're just not getting into the senior side. And there's another player I think we'll, I want to touch on later. Uh, Burak Yilmaz is just coming back to form, and he is apparently a player they're really desperate to get in for this tie. But um, before I go into that, I guess, where do you, like, you guys are the Ajax watchers, Eredivisie watchers. I said I've watched them a couple of times. What do you say their biggest weaknesses? Because I want to see if Lil can exploit it. What do you say their biggest weaknesses in their team? Well, I was going to pose it to Mike just now, actually, about what he thinks, how he thinks Ajax might approach the match, because this isn't a team that can really take on many European teams at the moment. It feels like they're not they're not ready to to compete in the Europa League last stages. It often ends in this when this feeling kind of happens. Uh, do you do you sense this as well, Mike? That we get into that point again where Ajax have, have kind of been faulting a little bit in the Eredivisie. They've, they've had times where they can be vintage I and mean, win four or five nil against teams but at the minute that's not really happening it doesn't you don't get that vibe about them at all that they're gonna go out and impress in Europe like they have in in recent years in the Champions League and it just feels like they're about to crash out of Europe once again uh, I wouldn't be so pessimistic about them um, and to say that they're in so bad forms I wouldn't say that either I think they've won eight on the bounce um, so I mean I don't think I coming into this game in bad form um, no, I'd say they're not in the form that they were when they reached the semi-finals of Champions League. They're not the same team as that, but still a team that can go to to France and get a result. I mean, this is these are no mugs. This is Ajax. We're talking about you know it's not um, PSV. If it was PSV going to win, I'd be you know frightened for them. But this is Ajax. Yeah. Good form. You know, Sebastian Howard not being there is going to be a bit of a blow. But yeah, they'll revert back to playing with Tadic through the middle um, and I think that whereas Lille have had um, strong games like against like Zlatan um, this season when Botman sort of marked him out of the game you know Tadic is a different player his movement might actually cause him some trouble so you never know um, what he'll do against Lille over somebody like Haller who's more of a target man um, so I think you know this actually I think is capable of definitely getting through um, I think that Ayrton Hag's actually worked on some of their weaknesses in recent weeks. I think Alvarez is coming to the team and he's started doing really well. We've seen Timber come in for scares and that's sort of shored up the back line as well. Um, I thought they were very professional at the weekend. I don't think they were great against Heracles, but they got a 2-0 win. Um, Klassen's coming into some form. He's scored in three Eredivisie games in a row. Um, you know, they got Anthony, they got rested, um, come back into the team. You know, you got Neres on the bench. you got so many players this Ajax team have that can cause so much um, damage to this Leo defence. So, I wouldn't be too pessimistic about him. Um, I'd probably make Leo favourites for this game. Um, but I don't see it being not trans, and I can definitely see Ajax getting through if they play to their best. Yeah, it feels like they're, they're, they're kind of overdoing some of their the hoodoos. The, the fact that they can go to Heracles and win, they've not done that for a few years, and then they went and did that this time. Uh, they, they, they are winning games when they're playing badly. They've done eight on the spin, that is amazing form. They've gone from being one of the favourites to win the league to being the strong, absolute clear favourites. It kind of works in Ajax's favour, then, I guess, that they get to have this Europa League game now because they can go into it with the knowledge that 
they didn't have to rest too many players to have to focus on this game. They know that they can kind of go for both. And if they want to take out a player or two from the league, they can because they can win those win easier, winnable matches, you know, without them. Um, but coming back to what Alex was alluding to there, the weaknesses, there are a couple of a couple too many young players in the team at the moment. I wonder whether Timber can be got out of centre-back uh, because of his lack of experience at European level. It's not to say he's a fantastic talent, of course, because he is. Um, but also, they've got players come back in midfield. I can't stop being an issue. It'll be, it'll be Haller being missing up top. He is someone that, that they've definitely fed off recently. He has changed the way that they're playing. Five goals, five assists in his opening nine games. He's not really had a chance to really train with Ajax. There's been that many games. And he's just settled down immediately. So I think that's going to be the problem for, for Ajax. Do you, do you see um, Lille kind of shaping up to play this kind of Ajax side that is going to be dynamic? They are going to try and use their pace and trickery to get around them. Um, but also they can be got at with their centre-backs, particularly in terms of height. You know, if there's a big strike for Lille, there's a chance there. Uh, so some interesting points here. Um, first thing I definitely want to touch on as well is Anthony, by the fact that I, you guys might, because you watch Eredivisie a bit more than me, you guys might scoff at this. But I think he's one of the best players I've seen play for Ajax in a while. But I imagine, from what I've heard, he can be a little inconsistent. But mm. I think Lille's one weakness is their left-back slot. They've got depth all over the pitch, but their two left-backs are uh, Bradaric and Renildo. They're, they're okay. They're standard. Ronaldo wins about 70% of his tackles, which is a really good number. But he's neither of them get um, put in the first team too often. So if Anthony could cause havoc on the right-hand side, well, Lille's left-hand side, I think that's an outlet for creativity. But I think what Lille's biggest strength is, they're really good at either defending deep or with a high line. Botman and Font are deceptively quick. So I'm not sure about if uh, Neres or Anthony... Uh, Neres Antony, whoever plays the quicker players, they're going to have much fun getting in behind or even Tadic because the Lille defence is probably one of their best bits. They play in a 4-4-2 for, um, for, for context. A little like Atletico in a way. They're quite rigid in that sense. It's a bit like a bit like a blend of, if you guys watch the Premier League, a bit like of Southampton and Atletico. Really rigid in defence, but really free-flowing in the attack. It's moved into like a 4-2. But you were saying about the Ajax centre-backs there. And I think that leads on really nicely to uh, Lille's biggest strong point, which I mentioned would be Burak Yilmaz. Now, if you've played FIFA, uh, you will remember this guy, the Turkish guy who gets a team of the season every year. Um, 35 years old, he's playing in Europe for the first time. And it's fair to say he's absolutely smashing it. Um, he's got nine goals and uh, four assists in 15 starts. So really good numbers. But in a team that's quite young, look, we've spoken about Botman, uh, there's players like Renato Sanchez, Jonathan Acone. The average age is about 22. Yilmaz being 35, on the pitch, he's been a leader. Whenever a player's made a mistake, he's very quick to either scream at them or encourage them to get back. Every time he comes on the pitch, it's an immediate impact. And it's whether he is holding up the ball, he's really strong and very aggressive. Whether he's holding up the ball, bringing teammates into play or actually making the runs in behind, he causes a lot of trouble. Now, I actually sent it back because I don't know too much other, other than Schurz. And from Schurz, he's been a bit hit or miss. But if the Ajax centre-backs uh, might struggle with experience or with a bit of a physical presence, then Yilmaz could cause a lot of damage. And it does seem like he's going to play. But just to quickly caveat as well, for Ajax's perspective, now, 
I think there's a really big, really big bonus for them this game is the fact that um, Benjamin Andre's out. He's a little centre midfielder and he puts up the most defensive numbers in the team. He's pretty much, he's a bit like N'Golo Kante in a sense, not necessarily running around the pitch, but he's just, is the, he is basically the brick wall in the little side and he's suspended for this tie as well as Jekka, another midfielder. So they're going to be stuck with Sanchez and Bibakari Samare midfield and neither of these two are really defensive. So like I said, Lille have really coached, really well coached and they've got a really good defensive setup. But if Ajax can get them in the same way that Sparta, I mean, it's, I know it was a while ago, but in the same way they did at Real Madrid a couple of years ago, when they were just able to run through their midfield, it, you can see Ajax definitely nabbing a goal. Like I said, we wouldn't, like Michael was saying, you wouldn't write them off completely for this, no matter the off the field issues with Alair and things like that. Yeah, I think that Ajax are going to definitely pose a bigger threat than they have. Um, in, in, a, in the last year or so in Europe, I think this is a, this is a nice game for them to really step it up again, um, given given how they have that cushion in the Eredivisie. Like I say, I've got that that vibe that it could be a, a crashing out of Europe. I wonder whether mentality could be a part though, and if Eriksen Haag can get it right with his players, um, and it is a tricky squad to manage that Ajax team, especially with with the effects that Anana and Alaire that the two losses are going to have. Players like Talic have got to step up. They've got to they've got to try and lead the side out for this one. Mentality has always been the biggest thing for Ajax when it when it comes to defeats. It seems as though they 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 are their own worst enemy. Uh, and, and and playing Lille could be an opportunity. And 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 you talk about Alex that 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 will to win. I wonder if that's a, a league mentality, given how they are going for the league. And this could this could be a bit of a distraction. This could be a bit of a well. This is a nice match to play in, but it's not going to carry the same vigor. You know, if you're not going at I say above eighty percent, you're not going to be playing at your best. I wonder whether this could be the case on that on the evening. Mike, do you do you see Ajax going into this one hundred percent really wanting to go for it? Because, like I say, mentality can be their biggest biggest problem. Yeah, I think that Ten Hag will have them up for this game. Um, I think that they're divisive and are six points clear with a game in hand. So, you know, Ten Hag probably looking at PSV's form, um, probably thinking that. Probably not saying it out loud, but you know, the league title is pretty much theirs to, to lose at this moment in time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the Europa League will be a, a big stage for them. And some of these players, it's, it's Ajax, they, they know that this isn't their um, final stage of their careers. Players like Gravenberg and Alvarez and mm-hmm. all these players, they want to, to impress so they can go to other clubs and through the Europa League, that's, that's their opportunity. So I think they'll be fired up for this game. Um, I think leaders on the pitch are looking at Tadic to try and get everyone, everyone going again. Klassen as well, um, and Daily Blind and defence. I think when you're talking about a weakness for Ajax, I think it is the mentality. Sometimes I think the lack of concentration, but that's usually in the Eredivisie. I think it's usually European games. And you saw it when they did reach the semi-finals of the Champions League. It was their away form that was the one that drove them there because they were so um, hard to beat in the way they, they countered with their pace. Um, and I think it'll be the same. And Wheel as well. I think they'll set up with Tadic for the middle and, and Neres and Antony on the wings to get at Wheel through the, the pace of the wingers. Um, I think that might work. And then we've not even talked about Ravenberg as well. Mm. Um, you know, I he, think he's suspended. Think maybe so. he is. Someone will have to quickly Google. I'll quickly Google. <laughs> um, well, that'd be a big, big blow for them because then you know, the alternatives to come in would be uh, a Kellen Camp or a 
um, Martinez or Labiad, and you know, nobody wants Labiad to be playing in, in the Ajax squad at all. Um, but yeah, I think that Ajax will see this game as probably their biggest one to come um, in the next few weeks. So I think that they'll be really fired up for this. And yeah, I'm excited to, to see it because I think it's going to be a, a really good game. Um, as I said before, I think I can see the headlines have been Stan Botman comes back to haunt Ajax. And I think that Ajax fans are sort of dreading coming up against him because you know, when you speak to Ajax fans on Twitter, it's, it, they don't seem to believe that Botman's doing as well as he is. They always seem to think that whenever you see him linked to Liverpool, linked to £40 million moves, they always say, oh, he wasn't good enough for us. He wasn't good enough for us, but he never got a chance. Um, you see what he's doing in France. And they always say, oh, he's, he doesn't fit our playing style. Um, I think that, you know, you see what he does for Lille and shutting down Zlatan in every single game. I don't think Lille have conceded a goal for, for hours and hours. So, I mean, yeah. he's, he's doing great. So, I, I just don't get why Ajax fans just can't admit that he's one that got away. Um, I think a lot of them see Noah Lang doing well in Belgium and right, oh, why do we let him go? But you don't really see that for, for Botman. Um, but, yeah, I think he's got a, a bright future ahead and I think he'll be in the next Netherlands squad as well. So, I'm excited to see what he can do up against Ajax because I think he'll have you know, a big point to prove. Mm, more on um, Noah Longo a little bit later and also the PSV game as well coming up in the Europa League. But just a few final points in this game. So the first the first one was Dusan Tadic. Now, what? who are the key players for you guys in this game? And, and, and do you see Dusan Tadic being a key man? I mean, given that he's probably going to have to play as a striker in, in this game, what, do you, what have you made of this season this season, Mike? Has he been the Dusan Tadic that we know? For me, I feel like he goes a few games where he's outstanding or he'll play one a key role in one match and then the next year he's just you don't really see him, he doesn't really stand out for very much. Yeah, um I was critical of him um a few weeks ago when he played really badly, but then there was a game where he started on the bench and Ajax was struggling and he came on in the second half and got a goal and an assist. Um so I think he is still the crucial man for Ajax. Um I think it there's goals and because he had that first season when Ajax reached the semi-finals and his goals and assist tie was was incredible. And he's not really lived up to that. I don't know if you know, he got went to Barcelona that January where he was maybe going to go on loan to them. It didn't really work out. He stayed. Um, but yeah, ever since then, you know, he's probably not been the Dusan Tadic we saw in the first season. But, you know, he's still, I think, key for them. But the thing is, you need to get players around him. You know, if he holds up the ball, he sets up. Um, attacks, it's up to Anthony and Neres to support him because he can't do it all on his own. Um, if I was to pick a key man for this game, I'd say for Anthony, he needs to step up in the big games. He didn't do it in the Champions League. I think he needs to step up in Europa League. It's all well and good scoring in there at Divisi, but you know you need to do it in games like this to, to move to the next level. Um, and the other one I'd pinpoint is probably to Kellenberg in goal. Um, he's been in there for two games, not really been tested so far. This will be the big one. Um, you know, if he's going to be the replacement for Onana, he needs to step up in these games and hopefully he doesn't make any clangers because you know, I said it on Twitter a few weeks ago and it kind of got laughed at, but you know, Netherlands don't have very many goalkeepers. If Stick Ellingberg comes in and plays six months as the first choice for Ajax mm-hmm. and keeps clean sheet after clean sheet, he's probably going to the Euros. Um, yeah. Like that. So you know, this is a big platform for him. What a way to end his career if, you know, in the summer if Ajax go for somebody else, you know, Stick Ellingberg ends up retiring. He could be going out on the back of a European Championships. Let's not dream, eh? <laughs> Could be lifting that that trophy in, in, in the summer. Scoring a winning penalty in a shootout in the final, yeah. <laughs> we know it. You heard it first here. 
You stole the words on mouth, Mike, about key players. I was going to ask you, you both, who your key player is for the game. Um, and I did did search it. Havenberg is going to be suspended. He did get two yellows and a red in that Atalanta game. It feels like so long ago now, uh, back in time. Yeah, but he will be out of the game, unfortunately, which is going to be a big miss for Ajax. He's just been so good. I can't, I, you, you know, you know when you earmark players for the future and you think, they're going to be a top player in the future. They're going to be someone who really stands out. And you watch them every age group. You think, if they live for full of attention, they're going to do it. And he has. At this age, he's probably surpassed what people expected of him. The fact that he can be one of Ajax's, if not the, the Eredivisie's best midfielders, best players, he's immense. But what he does on, on the pitch is, is, is going to be sorely missed because of the way he carries the ball, the way that he can win the ball back, the way that he, his vision oh, is great. But I wonder whether this is a chance for Mohamed Kudus to come back into midfield. He did play a little role against Heracles. I wonder whether that's why Eriksen Hag threw him in. Maybe he thought, let's give him some minutes now. And even though it's early, maybe he could he could start against Lille. Um, without giving a full 11, of course, we do want to preview the key players of the game. Because I could have from both of you who your key player is going to be for the game. I think Alex choose one, someone from Lille, perhaps, and might choose yeah, one from sure. Ajax. And, and could you both give us your predictions of the game? And perhaps uh, over both legs as well. What you're predicting? Okay, uh, I'll go first. That's all right. So yeah, I've I've heard a, I've, Michael said to me a few times that um, and you just mentioned that the, the Ajax fans come at you for saying Sven Botman's the one who got away. I just want to say if anyone any Ajax fans are listening and they're annoyed about what I'm about to say, go and direct your hate to at EuroExpert underscore on Twitter and follow me after. But Sven Botman is the key player because he's not just a superb defender. He is an incredibly important player in Lille's team. And just for the record, he was benched at the weekend. So he will that was the first time he's been benched in a very long time, which means he will probably like he will start this game. Now, Botman is a really strong and fast defender. So I'm not going to focus too much on getting passing because I feel like everyone's focused on him enough about that. It's how integral he is to Lille's play. So I mentioned they're a bit like Southampton, right? They like to pass vertically and get directly at teams they like to drive straight at the heart of their defence. Now, Botman has, in his own half, I, this, I found this an interesting set. I've got a couple of ones. So in his half, uh, own half, he's got a 96% pass accuracy. Um, qu quick thing, guys, as well. It took Sven Botman eight games to misplace a pass in Ligue 1, like of any length. Long ball, short ball. And it, it took him eight matches of full 90s. So it's not just he's very, very efficient with the ball. He's also incredibly important getting it forward. He's, I think, second in Lille's side for passing the ball into the final third and then into the penalty box. I th or something like that. His second was like a midfielder. So he's really important at getting the ball forward. And I think with that, he will be a player they need to press and they need to mark very carefully. Because if you give him too much time with the ball... He will either hit a crossfield pass that goes straight to Bamba or uh, Ikone, or he'll slip one straight through the middle to Yilmaz, who'll be able to build off of it. And um, yeah, before I finish, I said, I, my anti-key player for Ajax is Davy Klaassen. If you get counter-attacked, he might get sped past by all of Lille's team. Hmm. Yeah, it's not fastest. Sorry? Sorry? So he's not a fastest anymore, so it's, it's always a risk. Yeah. <laughs> And what's your prediction for the game, Alex? A prediction. Um, put me on the spot. I'll be quick. I'm going to go with two-one Lille in the home leg, and I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll say Lille go through three-two over two legs. Fair, Mike. 
Yeah, so I've already touched on it, but key players, Anthony on the wing, um, Tadic for the middle, and then Stick Ellenberg in goal. I think that this is the one where I actually need to try and keep it as tight as possible. And you know, Stick Ellenberg has to be the leader at the back um, with Daily Blend and try and keep out wheel as much as possible. So I'm going to say that he's the key man because everyone will probably be looking at him thinking he's not a nana. Let's try and get him to make a, a clanger. Um, so he needs to be on top form. Um, try to be positive. I think that Ajax can get there and get a score draw. I think that would be incredible um, for them. Um, a 1-1 draw in France. And then it's hard because we've seen it in the Champions League home games. Crucial home games, Ajax usually slip up. Um, they've done it the past few years in the Champions League. Um, but let's be positive and say that they're going to do it and they'll win 2-1 in Amsterdam to go through. Very positive very indeed. Positive. I'm going to go with a very pessimistic uh, 3-1 Lille. Uh, unfortunately, I, I think that the Ajax centre-backs have not yet been tested enough at a high enough level this season. And when we did watch Ajax 2, PSV 2, PSV got behind that that, that Ajax defence and created lots of chances. The two strikers, you know, the 4-4-2 might not see Ajax. The 4-4-2 for PSV... Uh, we had Zahavi and Marlon having a great time, creating loads of chances, linking it really well, lots of flicks, lots of tricks. And I just think that Lille are going to carry that quality again and they're going to cause some big problems. And over the two legs, it could well be that Ajax play are much better in Amsterdam, but I don't think it's going to be enough. So I, I am unfortunately pessimistic, but I think that this is going to be Ajax walking the league, but again, struggling in Europe. And big questions will be asked, asked of Ter- Everton Haag, even if he does win the league and cup double. Any, any final points in the game? Because I feel like we need to start talking about PSV. What was that, sorry? Any last points about the game before we talk about PSV? Um, totally, I think we've hit on everything. I'm ready to go mm. into PSV. PSV, it's a very different kettle of fish because it is, first of all, a weaker opponent than, than Lille that a Dutch team is facing. But PSV have not been great. <laughs> they've, they've, they've had games like the one against Ard at the weekend where... They had all the chances, 34 shots, I think it was, but only two goals to show for it. And clumsy mistakes have led to goals against. That is probably going to be PSV's biggest problem in Europe. They've got Marlon in the team. He's he's playing some fantastic football, but there's a lack of attacking midfielders that are fit. And Mohir Tarvin has not been playing that great either. So you're now you're in a situation where PSV are going to rely on their strikers again to come up with the goods. And they're going to try and keep it tighter at the back than they have been. What are your, your f- first thoughts in the game, Mike? Um, and, and, and can PSV really have a run in Europe? I felt early in the season that this could have been possible and they could have gone deep into competition. And now I'm pessimistic about PSV too. Yeah, I think if um, there's one manager that's under pressure in the Eredivisie, it's, it's Roger Schmidt. Um, especially after the weekend, everyone's taking pop shots at him. Um, I think Ibrahim Athwai was very scathing on him. Yesterday and uh, yeah. the Kirchhoff brothers are coming out as well and having goes at them. Um, everyone's calling ref right and centre for Tunga Bronze above them to, to have a word on because they're getting a bit, bit sick of his tactics and a bit sick of his, his blame game um, of officials and VAR and looking at everyone but himself. Um, and yeah, I think Schmidt right now is the biggest problem because I think that a bit of ego is coming in. Um, so after the Ajax game that, you know, they criticised that he took off Ihatrin, who was the best player on the pitch. Um, and he said, well, he's no Messi. I, he, I don't think he played very well. Um, then he saw against Adelden Hag that 
I had to, I had to and was dropped to the bench and Ryan Thomas um, came into living with Vertessen, who had never started in Eredivisie before. And then they go and draw 2-2 against Adel Den Haag. Um, so yeah, it's not going very well for him. I think that the problem is that his, his setup's just not working. Um, without Cody Gakpo or, or Gutsen there, this doesn't work. Um, when you're playing average Eredivisie teams, why do you need two defensive midfielders in Sangari and Rosario? It just doesn't work. And they offer absolutely no protection to the defence. And we've seen it in Europe. And we saw Pauk in Greece absolutely tear PSV apart, even though they had four defenders and two defensive midfielders. This doesn't work. Um, but he's, he's going to stick with it. We'll see how it works against Olympiacos. And that's why I'm fearful, because if Gakpo and Goetz are out um, still, you know, they didn't play the weekend, went on the bench, and Schmidt continues with his, his love for, for Ryan Thomas, then... Olympiacos will probably pick this team apart. You know, you can't rely on Malin to do it all himself um, because he is basically doing it all himself at the moment. You know, he hit the bar twice, scored twice. I don't know why he doesn't take the penalties because Philip Max guided his one. Um, I think he's really the only shining light right now for PSV. Um, and yeah, I'm a bit fearful going into this game. He just seems stubborn, doesn't he, Schmidt? Stubborn and really critical of, of everything at late. He... He he isn't showing much um, tactical knowledge uh, to the extent that we saw at the start of the season. People were kind of going, "Oh, you know, the, the four two 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 is it's quite interesting for the league. It's, it's it's making opponents think." And and it seems as though teams have just found PSV out now, and they are really making the most of these two defensive midfielders who do very little. Sangare, uh, I think, is is a good player and perhaps could make a very good defensive midfielder if he's playing as one by himself. But there, there's very little going on from players just Thomas. I really don't know why he's getting to the team. I really don't. I don't get why there's not a PSV youth, youth Academy product going up over him in the team. Why couldn't it have been Vitesse and Hertar? And why has it got to be Thomas as well getting into the side? It's bizarre. And Denzel Dumfries, for example, was the latest player to not play well. And at least Schmidt was consistent. At least he dropped him. At least he had the bravery to drop Dumfries. But it's still that the problems persist and the bad run is not ending. You, you have to say that PSV were unlucky not to beat Ardo, but the defensive errors were there plain as day. And you can't, you can't just, you can't let them score two goals from two little mistakes like that. It's, it wasn't good enough. And, 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 and I come back to the point that it's going to be a really poor evening for them in Europe if they, if they play like that again. And we have already seen in Europe already them play a Greek side. Touched up on it there, Mike. Plain pack, two goals down. I think it was at halftime, or there, there were two goals down. But then PSV did win three two. It was a great turnaround because Schmidt lost his rag with the players. But I wonder if he did that. If he does that now, whether he's going to get the same response from his squad, because he's not had some good decisions recently. His squad might start to lose a little bit of respect for him if he's going to just keep being critical all the time of this that, and the other, rather than the opposite, rather than being positive, rather than being critical of himself, even. It's starting to feel a little bit rocky at PSV. Yeah, I think that it's going to come to a head with Ihatter. And I think for me right now, I see him leaving in summer. Um, he's not going to sign a new contract because Schmidt's like, um, why would he? Um, if Ajax want him and he's been flirting with Ajax, then if he's going to get a game there, then why not? Um, because I think I can see it happening that him and Schmidt are heading for a, a big fallout. And it's PSV that are going to was out because I had friends, you know, he's up there with Gravenberg in times of talent. And you know, if I sell him, they're going to get 40, 50 million for him. 
if a hard trend goes in the summer, PSV are going to get next to nothing. So, yeah, it's, it's a strange one because PSV aren't going to sack Smith, but he's not going to change. So it's sort of just it's going to go around in circles. What are your thoughts on the whole situation, Alex? Have you watched PSV much this season or have you been more inclined to watch Olympiacos? <laughs> Uh, I haven't watched much Olympiacos, but I know enough about But I've got to say that I was just listening to all of that quite in shock. I have watched PSV a lot this season because as soon as Roger Schmidt came through the door, I found that I thought it was a really interesting move for the Eredivisie and I was quite excited to see what he would do. And I've watched PSV a number of times this season and I get, I have, I think it, I've watched them mostly before. Um, I mean, you guys are the experts clearly and you guys will be able to confirm. I watched them a lot. I think the last game I watched was, was when they drew with Ajax and then they lost RZ Alkmaar, which was billed as like, that That was just like, PSV, what are you doing? How can you do... Well, they did very well against Ajax for large parts of the game. And then you go to RZ and you get thumped 3-1, I think it was. And I think... It's final, yeah. Fine, oh, final, sorry, final, yeah. And it's, yeah... They, it's, they did lose to, to RZ as well, though. It was a pretty poor month for them because they had that draw with Ajax, which is a good, decent result, if you like. And then they the home defeat to RZ and then they lost away to Feyenoord. Yeah, I remember watching the game against Ajax and thinking, yeah, this is coming together. And I see, I think their large problem has been inconsistency just because I watched them some games. I'm thinking, yeah, this is great. But then what you guys are saying is it doesn't work. I have felt that too. It doesn't feel like the players sometimes... It's a bit like how Chelsea were under Lampard in the last few in the last few weeks, where it felt like the players had only just moved into the same team together. Like yeah. I'm not, I wasn't seeing you saying like the movement you want to see. They're not prying defenses apart. It kind of felt like a little like Marlon and Gakpo were getting put onto the pitch and said like, please just win the game in a sense. Yeah. And I think leading into that for Olympiakos, so Olympiakos, a bit of context, they. They, they don't have to care about their Greek Super League. They're 13 points clear. They're going to win it. And while their team isn't... <laughs> it's not exciting. Their top scorer is Yusuf El Arabi, a 34-year-old who used to play for Granada. is 17 goals in the league. And he hasn't scored in the Champions League. Their manager, I've eyed for a long time, his name is Pedro Martins. He's got a 68% win rate for um, Olympiacos. Yes, I did just read that off Wikipedia. But it's not just all from looking at a screen. I have... I remember the game against Arsenal and a couple of other highlights in Champions League and the Europa League. They're very well coached side. And maybe they're not going to overwhelm PS, PSV. They're not going to they're not going to produce an attacking performance that blows them away. But what they will be is frustrating. And I think that'll be a big test for like what you guys are saying for Schmidt and PSV. Is if they can put what seems to be a lot of um tumultuous circumstances behind the scenes to bed and dispatch of a frustrating team, then great, they're going to build on this. But from what you guys are saying, this and what I have seen from different parts of them when they've, I guess, struggled to unlock a defence at times, unless it's been like a sort of lucky through ball down the, the channel, this could be a sort of game which gets underneath them. PSV are clear favourites, don't get me wrong, but you never know. I think, I think maybe this could be right game, wrong time. Possibly, or it could be the turnaround, but it just depends how 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 Schmidt plays it. It's it's quite it's quite important for him this game in a way. It's kind of it's kind of down to him to to get the players on his side and and to get them to perform to get past this side in Europe. Simple as that. Especially if they're so far behind down the league, it, this kind of situation in the league kind of suits PSV. They should be favourites to finish second place. 
but the league is quite far away now. And and Ajax can go from the point of view of, oh, well, we haven't won the league, but we're quite far ahead, so we can give it a go for now. And PSV can have an opinion of, well, <laughs> we're not going to win the league, so let's give the Europa League a go. Schmidt did want to compete on all fronts. He's out of the cup, so the Europa League is his only avenue to have success. He's not going to win the Europa League, but he wants to go as far as he can. I think that a, a, a frustrating side is probably going to suit PSV, but uh, against Oladin Haag at the weekend, the 2-2 draw. So it, 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 let, let, let's see whether they can actually put their chances to bed this time and keep it tight at the back, mm. which they didn't do last time. If they can keep it tight at this time, maybe that's only one thing that needs to change them. And the two defensive midfielders might actually work here if you're playing a, a higher quality team like Olympiakos. But they're not um, by any means better on paper than PSV, despite yeah. that they're top of the Greek league. Um, I, I did also notice that they've got, if you're an Eredivisie diehard fan, you might notice that they've got Marius Ruzai in the squad. He used to play for Villantoy, but I don't think he's a, he's a regular starter or anything. Um, do you, are you aware of, of the top players for Olympiakos, um, Alex? Yeah, so like I said, they've used to Arabi. He scored, I I've, don't quote me on it for some, but I believe he scored the winner against Arsenal last year when they famously got knocked out. And they've got a couple of, Sort of the failed wonder kids around. So they've got mm. um, Bruma. Uh, I think you even play for PSV as well. He's uh, alone from PSV, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not sure. Maybe that means he's cup tied. Maybe he can't yeah. play against them. Um, they've got Yanam Via, another uh, veteran, I believe, and uh, Matteo Valbuena. So they've mm. kind of gone to the retirement home and collected a lot of aging stars. But Pedro Martins has made it work before, so he could make it work again. But I just wanted to quickly... You're talking about Ibrahim um, Sangare. Just to quickly touch on him in terms of who you're saying he's quite, like the two defensive midfielders. I feel like next season, just to quickly say, you might see a big turnaround from him. The team he was... He, I, you probably saw him move from Toulouse um, last season. Toulouse were one of the worst teams I think I've ever seen watching football in my entire life. They won one game and in their curtailed season it was in October and they lost they won on a 13 game losing streak and Sangare's role wasn't necessarily so you've got to break up play and help build up the team it was more can you please hold back the sea while we're getting demolished by every single team in France so I think he's adapting from a really really like defensive team that's run over to a, a more attacking one so I think he, he needs that extra year but then next season you might see the best of him no, that would be good. He has to develop a lot this season already. Uh, at first, he was making mistakes, and now he's actually one of his better players. I wonder whether next season, again, yeah, like you say, he developed further. Southampton were a team that were going to sign him, weren't they? And he, he actually mm. turned them down in favour of PSV, probably because he knew he was going to play more games. Um, but yeah, let, let's, let's talk about predictions this one then. This is a different one to the little Ajax game. It feels like PS3 do have more of a chance. And when, when this came out of the house, I was like, oh, great. You know, PS3 have actually got a chance of getting through this one. Because Olympiacos are a good side, but PS3 are better. They're, they're a better quality team. They've got some fantastic footballers. Daniel Marlin, surely believing this summer, is already too good for the Eredivisie. Um, who would like to go first? Go on, Michael. Um, I mean, I want to be positive again. It's hard to be positive about PSV at the moment, but... As you say, Donia Mounds there. Um, I think he'll definitely score. So try to be a bit more positive. I'll say it's a, a 2 2 draw. I'll say PSV are winning for quite a while. Then Olympiakos will nick it, and everyone will blame Smith for making silly substitutions. Oh, it sounds like a really painful evening for Dutch football all over again. Like, <laughs> it just sounds like one of those nights that th Thursday night, round of 32. Come on, come on, Ajax. Come on, PSV. 
and then they just both disappoint yet again. <laughs> what about you, Alex? Um, it's the first leg uh, in Holland, or well, I'm not in sure Greece. about Greece. It's in Greece. Yeah. Um, I don't. I, too far. I don't know what will happen in each tie, but I think. One of them will be a nil-nil, and PSV are going to go through by one goal. I don't think Olympiacos have what it takes up front. I think PSV have the antidote to Olympiacos's rigidity, like Marlon, like Gakpo, creative players who will be direct and disrupt a low-sitting defence. I am also going to be quite positive in this one in terms of PSV. I'm going to say I'm going to go as far as a two-nil win for PSV, but I think this might just paper over the cracks. It could still be near in the end for Schmidt, but maybe not just yet. There's definitely one more big topic we should talk about um, this time. We have focused too much on the Netherlands national team recently, but that will certainly ramp up as the Euros are getting closer. And one player who Alex has certainly been watching, and I know Mike has too, is Noah Long, who's been ripping up in the Belgian top division. He left Ajax like Butman and has thrived elsewhere but with with Noah Long I felt more positive than Botman that he was going to make it at Ajax um I was gutted he wasn't given a chance particularly with Premier's not performing this season uh that, that this was a chance for Long maybe because he was earmarked for playing on the right wing and it was Anthony's position and it was his time to come in and, and take that but Long could have been playing anywhere across that front three and he's just it's just what a waste what a waste um Alex, first of all, could you give Phyllis in on what you've been seeing for him this season in Belgium? And, and then we'll talk more about his Netherlands aspirations. So I'll be completely open with Noah Long. So there was another player at Baruchu, a club Baruchu, I was a bit more interested in early in the season, a guy called Crepin Diata, who's moved to Monaco. Now, I've, I've seen Noah Long, though, explode a bit more recently. He got a really nice uh, goal after and assist um, at a recent match. I can't remember exactly who against. I'll make sure I get it up now for uh some listeners it was against uh standard liege yeah he had a really nice dribble up the byline in um, a similar way to uh pedro neto did for wolves the weekend if anyone saw that really really exceptional play and when i saw this i was thinking this is a great january signing for bruges and then i realized he's got 11 goals in Mm. i think 16 appearances and i think that rather than saying he's gone under the radar I think this is more about the fact that recently he's going to explode because so Nolan plays a bit more off the right, the right hand side, right? And that's where the previously mentioned Diata was positioned. And he was much more of a main starter than uh, Lang. But now Nolan can thrive in the empty void that's been left. And he's got four goals in the last three appearances with one assist. And for a bit of context as well, they've been against some decent sides. Against standard Liège, they're really tough, boring side, like the Crystal Palace of Belgium. Uh, against Circular Bruges, you're a bit more like a PSV, a bit inconsistent at times, but talented as well. He's been impressing, and I know as well that the Belgian league might get written off, right? I met you guys have to deal with it every time you talk about Dutch players. It's the only the era of Vizier, but both leagues are pretty tough, and the Belgian league is really physical. So the fact yeah. that Lang's been impressing there shows a lot about a player who if he was to move to another league, he wouldn't just be simply one who's just not going to underperform. He could actually make quite a big dent. And Belgium have been producing some good players as of late. I said Diata, Jonathan David, uh, Jeremy Doku. So he's in a really good proving ground and he's doing very well. Mike, is he ready for Aranya though? 
Yes, um, I think so. Um, but the problem is Frank de Boer and the games are coming up. So, yeah, Netherlands are playing in March, start of World Cup qualifiers. But at the same time, the under-21 European Championships gets underway. Um, so that might curtail his debut for now because they might think of sending him to the under-21 Championships instead. Mm. And then we might see Ryan Babo again up front because he's actually come into some form for Galatasaray. <laughs> so it's all hang our heads in shame at what's going to happen and Babo's going to be in the squad again. Um, I think he is ready for Netherlands. Um, I've said it before that what Netherlands lack other than Memphis Depay, is somebody that will pick up the ball and just take it defenders, and that's what Noel Lang will do. Um, his goal the other day against Standard Wage, which was talked about, was him dribbling with the ball into the box and scoring. But Netherlands players don't do that. You know, you, you see what Steven Bergvine's become at Tottenham, or um, you've got Ryan Babel, Quincy Promise can't run, um, Calvin Steins can't really run with the ball. But Netherlands don't have that. They don't have that direct player that just pick it up halfway line and just run with it, um, except for Memphis Depay. That's what Noah Lang would bring to to Netherlands. It'd be an exciting player to get and um, fans off the seat when the European Championships comes around. But then you've got legends coming out left, right, and centre saying it's too too early for him. We need to give him more time. Um, I mean, what more can he do? He's scoring goals left, right, and centre in a, a good league. We saw it before. We saw Dan Juma get called up after a couple of good goals for for Club Rouge, and he's now playing for Bournemouth in the Championship. So. I think Noel Lang's got more potential than he does and I don't see why he doesn't get a call-up. Um, again, I think the European Championships might stop that, um, but I'd love to see him as soon as possible in the Netherlands. Um, 11, him um, and you know Haravenberch and, and Botman, they all deserve their, their debuts. Cody Gakpo as well, these are all players that should be coming in because they're more exciting than what you know, Quincy Promise brings or, or Ryan Babel brings or Luke de Jong brings. Uh, you know, these players get rid of them and get the, the fresh young ones in and we'll see some excitement coming to the to the side. Again, problem is that you got to keep your big personalities happy. Um, Memphis Depay is good friends with Quincy Promise. He's good friends with Stephen Bergvine. That might be an issue, but, you know, we'll see what happens. But I think that Noel Lang, for now, will be in the under-21 squad. It's, yeah, the, the, the Netherlands need players who are in form. You go into a Euros competition, you want players who are who are, who are just performing for their side. And if that's for, for RZ, if that's for, for Bruges, if that's... Um, even if Dan Jim was ripping up in the championship, you'd say that he deserves a call-up, but, but he's not. And there, there, there seems to be this thing about attacking midfielders in particular, wingers attacking midfielders for the Netherlands, that quite recently there, there's been players in form, players who, who could play for Orania, and then they, they, they have, for whatever reason, have just not gone to fill that or keep it up, be consistent... Kevin Stengs is the most recent example of that. Um, and and I, 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 I fall in love with Stengs and then I kind of distance myself from him. And, and Mike, you've kind of always really rated Stengs and even, even through thick and thin. Players do, of course, do, do this. They go slowly further up and up. But Stengs, it's not, it's, not, it's not felt like that. He's just kind of, he's kind of fallen flat again. He's, he's, it's like he's back to square one almost. He he came out and was was, was an amazing player in the area of his E for RZ, <laughs> and it he's, he's he's not he's not exciting me anymore. Stengs is, is one of the most frustrating players. I remember a few years ago, when well, many a few years ago, when I was first getting into football, Lionel Messi was the best player in the world, and I was like, great, I'm going to watch him, I'm going to be entertained, 
And just like with Stengs and Messi, every single time I watch them, I think this is going to be great. They have a complete shocker and they don't, and he doesn't do anything. And then I'll take a break the next weekend and he'll get two goals. And it's so frustrating for someone who doesn't get to watch Sierra Debuse every week. <laughs> he, I think mentality is his biggest problem at the minute. He just sort of like waltzes around and he just does a lays a little pass and... Oh, Ashley, now, now I really fancy it. We've got six, five minutes in, we're two nil down. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put them in top bins. And then that'll be it. Again, it's, it's back to being lazy. He's not coming back. He's not defending. And that, that's how I feel about Stengs at the minute. I've just got this overriding feeling about him that he's, he's just not going to step it up enough to play, say, you know, top of Syria, perhaps the Bundesliga or the Premier League. He, he's going to be someone who probably ends up at Olympiacos in five years' time. He's, he's just going to be there for, for the money and, and scores a few goals in the Greek league and that could be it. I really hope I'm wrong and I can watch this back in two or three years' time and, and think, wow, that was ridiculous. You were wrong. Um, but it's, it could be the case where we're doing stings that they end up like that just because I don't, I don't feel like they're, they're giving it their all for their development. Um, now, I have been completely harsh, Mike. Please can you balance, balance the, the, the view? <laughs> uh, well, it's... Say that um, Stang's got a goal um, oh, back. on Sunday, and oh sorry, um, yeah, Stang's got a goal and assist yesterday, and I named him in our player of the week, uh, team of the week. So, um, and that was him getting moved back to the right wing because Pascal Janssen's been playing him as a number ten in recent weeks, and put him back on the wing at the weekend, and he scored and assisted, and looked good again. Um, so maybe they just need to pick a position for him. Maybe it's still on the right wing. Let him stay there. And then develop that way. But I think, um, yeah, you're right. The attitude is the main problem. I think that I've, I've discussed things before. When he first burst into the scene, he was like Aaron Robin. You'd you'd run at you. You'd cut inside. Yeah. You'd shoot. Yeah. You'd be so all action. Yeah. And then he broke his leg. And now when you see him, he picks up the ball, and then he'll stand there with it. And he won't take anyone on. He won't dribble with it. Um, I don't know if it's a bit of fear. You know, players that get a really serious ankle injury or break the leg. I don't know if they then decide that they don't want to run past players in case it happens again. I don't know if that's what's happening with him, but he just seems to be so static these days. Um, times, sometimes he does bring it, like he brought it yesterday, um, and he says win, but yeah, I think that he's not doing what we all thought he would do this season. Same with Boadu. I thought, you know, coming into the season, then we're going to be tearing up for AZ and neither of them have. Um, but yeah, I've still got... High hopes for, for Stangs. I've got higher hopes for Stangs than I do for Bordeaux at the moment. Um, but yeah, we'll see when it comes because maybe Stangs just thinks he's done all he can at AZ and he needs that next move. But I can't see him going anywhere except for a mid-table side whereas last year he was getting linked to the likes of Barcelona. Um, so I can't see that at the moment. I can see him going to maybe mid-tier, Premier League mid-tier, Serie A and then see where he goes from there. Um, but yeah, I think there's more to come from him. I just want to see him getting back to that level that when he first showed where I thought, wow, this is a Netherlands superstar coming through. It's the other hand for me, Turncoat Miners has kind of switched stank with stangs in my mind about who the best player is at RZ now. And and Coat Miners, every game, I'd, I'd say to Alex, you know, if, or anyone else listening, that if you want to watch RZ, watch Turncoat Miners because he is consistent pretty much every game. It's, I'm going to go as far as say it's an eight out of 10. He is that good. And I think that he could really play for a, a European top team. He was linked with the likes of Fulham before. I really hope it doesn't happen again. I even don't want to see him in a mid-table Premier League team. I think that he can be better than that. He's got to be given faith, though. I don't I don't think that he wants to be on the bench for six months or a year 
like um, Danny van der Beek is, poor, poor guy. Um, but, you know, he, he, he could really play for a top team and, and, and be an excellent performer. Maybe the Premier League isn't the place for him. Maybe he should try Serie A first and, and really make for a name for himself there, um, like Matthias de Litz has, has done. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see who makes it into this Netherlands squad. And, and over the coming weeks and months, I know that on Football Annie, we're definitely going to be looking at who can be in and out of that squad and in that starting eleven. But all the time, the names are changing. But attacking midfielders and strikers are going to be the most interesting um, topic point. Also, who's going to play in defence now that Van Dijk's most likely not going to be playing at the Euros? Those kind of things are certainly discussions that are we, yet, we are yet to have. But there's only three matches to play before the Euros start, unless there's an extra friendly shoved in there before the tournament. Because there's only three three qualifiers to play around the end of March, uh, which will determine the squad. And, and Frank de Boer is not a very interesting person for his choices. And I don't think that he's going to do anything exciting it's going to be the same old boring choices yeah let, 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 let's see then Noah Long is one of those players who if he keeps it up probably be in that squad uh, particularly in March and if, if you can impress in that Turkey game that's the trickiest game of a lot that they're going to play out of those three then he will be in the squad for, for the summer the other one that's really interesting to me is is Valt Verhorst again he, he is not selected for the Netherlands was for a little bit um, uses the pinch hitter, not much more than that, but he's now one of the top scorers in, in the Bundesliga. Why would you turn that down? If you're yeah, a top scorer in the Premier League, you'd say straight away or be in the squad. Good question, Mike. Why is he not in the squad? Ask Fran de Boer. I, I can't <laughs> it, you know, if you see Ryan Bowers in there and Whitney Young's in there and, and Bob Beckhorst isn't, you know, I don't know. Um, you need to ask Frank that, but um, yeah, I think that the problem is that. Luke De Jong always pops up with an odd goal here and there. Um, that Europa League yeah. final has basically given him a squad place. Believe it yeah, or not. And, and a goal against Northern Ireland. That, that game that they won 2-1 <laughs> where he just sort of knocked in you know, at the back post. On we are. Times. Yeah. I mean, that's the sort of thing that they want him for. So, I mean, you got to think that something's something's going on with Val Vekos. I don't know if he acts... Weirdly, when he gets into the Netherlands squad, I don't know if around other players he doesn't interact with. Them. I don't know, but there's got to be a reason why. If you're sitting third or fourth in the top goal scorer list in the Bundesliga, scoring in Europe, that you don't get a call up, especially when Netherlands don't have any strikers. And um, there's got to be something that's not just oh, we prefer Luke De Jong. There's got to be something else that's, that's behind it, and we're probably never going to know that. Yeah, that's one thing. Uh, it's one thing I was looking at, just that fact. When I was I, a few weeks ago, me and my um, friend were doing a podcast. Uh, we were doing a Euro 2021 podcast, and we were tackling the Netherlands. And I, we were doing a detailed like position by position. I got to striker, and I was like, All right, so we got Luke de Jong. Hell, isn't isn't Vegkors Dutch? And I I asked you guys because I like you were saying, Michael. I genuinely just assumed something's happened and it's like well common it's common knowledge that he, he's not allowed to play or something like that because yeah. he's like an elite striker and he doesn't play it makes no sense to me it's almost too yeah. late to, to, to throw him in now and, and do that it just says it all that that, that ryan bubble will be going to the euros because he's been in the squads the whole way through frank the not going to change that now he's not going to just take him out of the squad because he is someone that the players like and apparently he's a, a leader in the dressing room so is kevin strokeman how on earth is he still around the squad? Oh my God. It's like like a bad smell. It's like you, you can't take him off the, the, the list. You, he's just hanging around and you can't get rid of him. But he will be going to the Euros somehow. 
but it's um it's not going to be a revelation like Dirk Hout playing at like left wing back, which um, uh, Uli van Gaal managed to do before. There's not going to be anything like that. It's it's not looking good for the Euros, but we can still get very excited about it. But there's there's some going to be some strange choices in that squad, and I I do worry if there's no attacking midfielders that are going to be in form. Well, that's just predicting a Ryan Babel right right back at the Euros scoring a winner in the final. Um, or scoring the goal to take it into extra time for Stick Allenberg to win it on penalties. Um, but yeah, I think the, the choices that Brandy Burr is going to make are all, we're going to be disappointed left, right, and centre because Joey Veerman's probably not going to be there. Coop Miners will probably not get a game. Um, Botman will probably get dropped for Daily Blind in the centre defence. You know, it's, it's going to be one of these sort of tournaments where Brandy Burr is going to play it safe with the safer choices, the, the Babos, the Stripmans, the ones that we don't want to see and, and at the detriment of the ones that we do want to see, like Joey Veerman and, and Noah Lang and, and Sven Botman. But, you know, we could be proved wrong. Frank de Boer might turn around and be like, right, I'm going to do it my way. You know, this is Cummins' squad that he's taken over. But, yes, we'll see. I'm still optimistic that the Euros is going to be good. You know, the group stage, three easy games for, for Netherlands. You know, we've got Memphis Depay in good form. There is players in really good form. Where it's just, yeah, it's just, uh, we'll see. I'm still optimistic. <laughs> Cautiously optimistic. So with that, that, that does it for today, I think. I think we should say a big thanks to Alex for joining us in this podcast. Um, of course, do appreciate it, the Euro knowledge that you do carry. And if Alex and Peter make it further, do hope that you could you could join us again, depending on who they're playing, of course. Um, but yeah, thanks everyone for listening and, and, and continuing to, to watch this podcast as we're going for a full hour now. Thanks for giving us an hour of your day. Um, please do give us a big like if you enjoy these podcasts and what we do. We, of course, on YouTube, SoundCloud, and iTunes. So do give us a like and subscribe on those platforms too if you can. Now, there will be more podcasts coming up soon, particularly on the Netherlands in the build up to Euros, but much more as well coming up in the Eredivisie, the Europa League too, if Ajax and PSV can still get going. And of course, if you do enjoy what we do, you can still support us by buying a football annual wristband. I have left the link to the to these in the description. They're like this. I still got the oh, that's not the camera. There it is. <laughs> See, it's not too late to get one of those. We are running out of them though. Um, but thank you very much if you have already got one, or if you wish to buy one this time. Anyway, anyway thanks, Mike. Thanks, thanks, Alex, and speak to everyone soon.